Welcome to the Drone to 1K podcast, where we learn how successful drone entrepreneurs launch their businesses so you can too. And now, your host, David Young. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Drone to 1K podcast. I am your host and founder of Drone Launch Academy, David Young. Thank you so much for listening in with us today. Uh, it's a bittersweet day today because today marks the very last episode of season one of the Drone to 1K podcast. We're on episode 10 of season one, and I know a lot of you have listened to all these episodes. Uh, some of you are going back and binge listening um, to them, so I just want to thank you so much for listening in this season. We will be back next season with more episodes, more interviews. Um, when that will come out, I'm guessing late fall to early uh, winter, so late 2019, we'll say. We'll start rolling out episode two of those interviews. If you want to be on the Drone to 1K podcast, if you've got a story you want to share, if you started a drone service business and uh, you think you've got a unique idea, or even if it's not unique, but you found success and you're making at least $1,000 a month or more with your drone, so it can be full-time, part-time, whatever, um, fill out an application to be on season two. We would love to interview you. We're looking for great stories um, and to talk to people. So uh, there's a link to apply in the show notes. So if you just go to dronelaunchacademy.com, you should click, you can either click uh, blog or podcast and you can find this episode. It should be near the top or you can just search for it. And there you can apply to be on season two. We're really looking forward to it. Um, today, uh, we have Martin Novak on the podcast, and I was actually on his podcast. He hosts the Fly Life podcast. Uh, it's a podcast about FPV drones, uh, which is really interesting, and he's doing a great job over there. So if you're interested in FPV, I highly recommend going and checking that out. Um, but he's got a really cool story because he's an FPV drone pilot, but he also does other things with drones and makes uh, a really good amount of money um, doing some really interesting things. He actually has something that he does with drones that I had never even heard of before, never even heard of someone using drones for doing this before. I don't want to give it away, but it involves iron ore and $40,000 sensors and some other stuff. So it's really cool. Uh, so give this episode a listen. And he, he, he does that. And then he swings all the way over to the other side of the drone world and does FPV stuff. But he focuses on FPV cinematography. So he does some really cool stuff filming pro athletes and uh, gets in there and people fly him out to, to film really cool sports shoots. So I'll let you, I'll let you listen and hear more detail from him about how much he makes on those shoots um, and what he does and what led him to get to that spot. Uh, I just love this episode about um, hearing about how Martin really dove in and got his feet wet and worked really hard um, to get the experience and the skill level to where he is today. So he does stuff where it's, he can't just pick up a drone and do what he does. He has lots of practice, lots of experience um, to get to this point. So it's really cool. Loved having Martin on the show. I think you guys will find it super interesting. One of my favorite episodes today. And also, he hosts his own podcast, so he's just he's just fun to talk to, and he's good on the podcast. He's good on good on the mic. So, um, yeah. With that said, as always, if you're enjoying this season and these episodes of Drone to One K, please go and leave us a review. Uh, if you like it, hit that five-star button, and I love it when people type out their thoughts real quick um, to leave a review. That's great. If you hate this show and you think it sucks, shoot me an email, david at dronelaunchacademy.com. I also welcome your thoughts. Uh, I do take constructive criticism. We always want to make this uh, as best as possible, this show, to help people. So let me know what you think. And one last thing before we start. Remember I talked about the Drone to 1K program that we're going to start doing uh, probably late fall, early winter time, 2019. Uh, if you are interested in getting on the wait list for that to find out more info, we're still fleshing it out, but if you're interested in, in finding out how you can start a drone business and get it up to $1,000 a month and beyond, go to drone21k.com. So drone T-O, the number one, the letter K, dot com. And that's just a real simple web page. You can put your name and email address in there, and you'll be the first to hear about when we release that and all the details once we get those worked out. Um, so we'll send the list, we'll send all the info out to that list first before we release it to anyone else. So if you're interested, go to drone2k.com. Check it out. All right, here we are. My announcements are done. Martin Novak, take it away. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. We have Martin Novak with Fly Life. Co, thanks for uh, joining us, Martin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this was kind of an interesting podcast guest experience since you were the guest on my podcast before this. 
Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, I really enjoyed being on your podcast. And then I was like, well, you know what? I feel like you would make an excellent podcast guest the other way around. So why don't we just set this up in reverse? So um, I guess before we dive in, you want to do like a little plug for your podcast that you had me on? Yeah, so I host the Fly Life, um, the Fly Life podcast. It's not Fly Life Co. And it's an FPV-based podcast, so it's a little inside baseball for all UAV or drone people. Like it's mostly FPV stuff, but I also bring on, you know, like I had you. Um, I have owners of companies that make drone gear, um, and it's a long format, so my episodes are between one to two hours. So if you gotta burn some time in traffic or you got a long commute, it's nice. a good way to shave some time with drones. Yeah, and you've been at it for. Uh, much longer than I have, I'm assuming, right? So, like, how many how many podcast episodes do you have up there? Um, I am about to hit 52, I think. Um, nice. And I've been at it for just under a year, but I got into podcasting because I was asked to be a co-host of a podcast that no longer exists called Spun, which was a three-host format, which if you're ever st- thinking about starting a podcast dealing with three people's audio over the internet is not recommended. <laughs> um, everybody's trying to talk over each other at the same time. Yeah. And just like different internet connections is like that. So I'm up to 52. Um, I used to do one a week. Now I do two episodes a week. So that number is going to go up exponentially. Awesome. Cool, dude. Yeah. And so you have the FPV podcast, but towards the end of our conversation, you also filled me in on that, that you do some drone work, not just FPV, but you do some drone work. That's like more on the commercial side. Uh, you have that clients that hire you to do some pretty cool and interesting niche drone stuff, but don't give away the secrets yet. This is my hook to keep people on for later in the show. So you got it's, it. It, it was, a it was the only time I've ever heard of someone using a drone doing what you're doing and making money off of it. So I don't know if you're the only person that does, but it was extremely niche and that was really interesting. But why don't we just like rewind and why don't you like take us back to the beginning on uh, like how you first got into drones? Man, it's the most oddball story. I had gone through a serious breakup and was hobbyless for the first time in my life. And I was a chef at a restaurant, co-owner of the restaurant, and I was walking. So like that was my livelihood and what I was doing every day. And I was walking through a Best Buy board, had some money in my pocket, and I saw a parrot rolling spider drone. I was like 60 bucks hooked to your iPhone, just a real toy level drone. And so I bought it. First flight, it just took off full full send to the moon, fail safe, and landed four houses down. First first battery with a drone ever. Yeah, and this homeless guy down the street was like, "You looking for that thing that fell out of the sky?" You're oh. like, "Yes, yeah. yeah." And it broke, and it didn't break bad. I just broke some props, um, and so I just went on the internet, or like props and like a frame arm. So then I went on YouTube and I searched drones, and I came across FPV videos, which at the time weren't aren't what they are today. But you know, flying FPV is flying with goggles, and it was the freestyle side. So basically, people going. 50 60 miles an hour six inches off the ground and doing flips and rolls over trees and stuff like that and yeah, so I was well, real quick why don't you why don't you give a quick because there might be some people that are newer to drones on the podcast so i'll give like a quick uh, what's fpv the elevator pitch of fpv it stands for first person drone and to me it's the most af- immersive form of drone flight you wear goggles over your face that transmit video from the front of the drone so you're flying it as if you're on it um it's like the racing drones you see on espn with drl and there's a freestyle aspect and now a cinematic aspect but basically they're smaller drones the ones i fly and the most common ones are five inch and they have about a 10 to 1 power to weight ratio and they fly for three to five minutes depending on your setup so it's like the closest thing to a star wars pod racer i could <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nice okay cool sorry continue with the story just in case people were lost when you film that yeah that's the elevator pitch um and so i got i bought the whole kit dropped like 1600 bucks because back like now drone parts oh are way cheaper um but i got goggles radio batteries i got a hexacopter which was way too overpowered for me um and i just got into drones that way i was flying by myself and for a while i was kind of flying in a bubble like i wasn't meeting anybody that flew i was just flying on my own and i just fell in love with drones like i don't know what it was it just hit me heavy it was kind of a culmination of all these things i've ever done it was creative it was technical you got to tinker with stuff um all these things came together so by chance i just searched 
drones um, and jobs on Craigslist. And at this time, I was living just outside of Boulder, Colorado. And there was one job for a place at an airport that was located in a hangar called UAS USA. And it was a mile and a half from my house. Wow. Yeah. So total freak. I mean, really just luck. And so I went in there and they were like, yeah, so what do you do? And I was like, I fly FPV drones for three months. They were like, yeah, you're not qualified to work here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, I'm probably as as professional as you can get at this point. Yeah. Yeah, And I kind of like oversold it. I was like, yeah, I know how to solder and like build drones, but I knew how to build like toy quadcopters. You know, I wasn't (laughs) Doing anything yeah. crazy. Um, like I work I, mostly heavy lift stuff. And, yeah. yeah, mostly heavy lift, um, you know, hydrogen batteries, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went in there and I didn't get the job, but I said, can I just come hang out and like intern? I'll sweep the floors, whatever. And I was, I worked nice. at, we had um, a restaurant at the time. So my work started at like 1 to 10 p.m. basically. Um, so I had all, all mornings free. So I'd go spend the mornings there and I just slowly got into the commercial side. Um, and I should say that that place built uh, 10 foot wingspan, fixed wing UAVs wow. that carried like photogrammetry stuff, LIDAR, um, things like that. And so I just so got into expensive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the, the most expensive one we built was like 220 grand. Yeah. That's expensive. But hey, I also um, saw a lot of them go down. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I was gonna say what what uh what year about was this? Uh, this was 2015, late summer okay. of 2015. Cool. Um, and so yeah, that, that snowballed. I left that job to go work at an FPV retail spot because I was like, commercial drones are great, um, but I really just kind of want to be you know shredding drones with my friends because to me at that time FPV drones were kind of like skateboarding. You like go to a cool spot film some stuff, make an edit, post it. And it kind of had this culture around it. So I went and worked for an FPV retailer for two weeks. Um, it was the worst decision I ever made in terms of <laughs> work environment. But from that, I got to go to Drone Worlds in Hawaii and just meet a cool. bunch of people. Um, and that snowballed like all this FPV stuff. Kept working at the restaurant, focused more on flying FPV. And then um, I think, yeah, late, or so, so, like late 2017 at UAS USA that, you know, things weren't looking good. Some of the employees had left and they were like, Hey, do you want to come back on a contract and build uh, one of these fixed wings on your own? You have like three months to do it. And so I went back, did that, and then just got involved with doing contract technician jobs for different people. So I would just go to a UAV company in Colorado. At, you know, I don't live there anymore, but it's a pretty hopping place. Like we have Ball Aerospace or Lockheed Martin. It's got, you know, some good companies. And there was a lot of UAV stuff around that. So I would just like go to this company, help them write an instruction manual, do some work, go to this company, make all their um, like launch racks and stuff like that. Go to this company, help set up a camera for a drone. And I just did contract jobs like that while um, I was working at the restaurant. And then late 2017, we decided to sell the restaurant and I had a bit of money. So I just basically took a year and a half off to just drive my car around the U.S. and meet people and network. Um, and then that snowballed into being a commercial pilot. So got my 107 um, and then started flying these commercial gigs along with FPV cinematic gigs, which I want to talk about because that pays way better um, mm, cool. than the commercial stuff. But I started out, um, yeah, it was just like a friend of a friend that I worked for. It was like, hey, I know you fly FPV and we got this $50,000 rig that we got to fly really close to the ground and close to trees. I feel like you'd be comfortable with that since like that's what you do on a regular basis. And that was basically what kickstarted me getting into the whole commercial magnetometer area. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're letting the cat out of the bag now, huh? So yeah, you, can the- <laughs> you can bleep that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. So do you want to touch on... Well, do you want to tell us about that job first? Like, how did that go? Uh, the job was great. Um, and it, I should mention, too, that this was all stacked up. So sold the restaurant um, December of 2018 or 2017, took all of 2018 basically off and just traveled around. And um, yeah, I like just went to California, drove all over the place. And then as of April um, 2019, it was just like, one after the other came up. Um, and I split mm-hmm. my time half between commercial and filming gigs. But the first job was awesome. Um, I got it mainly because I feel comfortable flying very close to stuff and proximity flying, but also because in order to get better line of sight, um, this was in the Michigan woods, the pilot, which ended up being me, had to be in a 50-foot cherry picker, like a bucket truck. And 
I guess everybody that they contacted before said that wasn't cool with them. Like they they were just scared of heights or what? Yeah, scared of heights. I don't know. I mean, like I'm not not scared of heights, but I was like, hey, that's good money. I'm not really doing anything, and you know, it's good experience. I'll meet some people. Um, yeah. And it'll be like time will go by pretty quick in a bucket truck, I suppose. <laughs> um, That's awesome. So, so I went up. Did you yeah, wreck it? The no, I didn't. I clipped a tree branch. <laughs> I lost one prop on a uh, DJI Ooh. M600, and uh, it like it kind of sobered me up a bit. And responsibility it happened on the second day. And I was like, hey, can we maybe raise the AGL like by a little bit? <laughs> yeah, like how far <laughs> you, know? you are from the ground, yeah. Yeah, because like, I mean, in the commercial side of data collection, there isn't really much flying. You're the insurance policy that grabs control if something goes, you know, haywire. But for the most part, it's just mission planning. Is that what is that what this job was? Or was this your like a cinematic gig where you're doing like filming the, the, stuff? This was uh this was the data collection job. Um, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so you know th- that's what like the bucket truck came from, and so you're not doing a lot of flying. But just before that, if you want to talk about the cinematic stuff, um, I got an offer to go film a kid named Alex Ferreira who got silver at the Olympics and gold at X Games, and uh, I went to Aspen Snowmass to film him with FPV racing drones. Cool. Which was really cool because the film company, um, shout out to Vital Films, was like, hey, we want to bring you up here for three hours and it's your session. Like, we're not filming really too much with other cameras. Like, we just want to see what FPV drones can capture. And we got a snowmobile. Um, the mountains shut down. You have it to yourself. And we're just going to be running laps with a skier and you can just post up and shred whatever you want, basically. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so that happened in the same, basically almost a month span, those two jobs. Gotcha. <clears throat> So with the uh, now, when you say you're 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 talking about like FPV cinematic, and then you say commercial. When you say commercial, you're talking about more like the data collection stuff. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's a good point. I guess they're both commercial, but for me, the commercial flying is like data collection. The sure. lawn, lawn mow in the sky is what I call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, so talk about like your the magnetometer stuff. Like what? Explain that to me. And what is that? So a magnetometer is a device that can detect steel and iron ore. Um, <clears throat> not like radiation is not the right word, but um, you know it, it, it's just a giant metal detector that's hooked mm-hmm. to G- GPS, and um, it's a kind of a weird shape. And when I worked at the fixed wing place, we installed a few on those, and they were huge at the time. Like they weighed, I think, four pounds a piece. And this new age of magnetometers um, is like one kilo um, streamlined shape, but you got to hang it 12 feet under the UAV. Mm. And the lower you fly it, the better. And then it just picks up, you know, if anything's emitting magnetic um, radiation or electromagnetic radiation, and you just fly it in a Zamboni pattern over said plotted land, and it'll give you a color-coded like hotspot map. And then where all the metal is under the ground. Yeah, and it, um, as everybody, like... (laughs) I like drones and I deal with a lot of super smart people, but I heard the word anomaly be used like 50 times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, there's an anomaly here and we got to look at this anomaly. But yeah, it just looks for anomalies in the ground, um, electromagnetic radiation. Now, like what kind of companies hire you to go do this? Um, So in this case, it was a... a wood like a logging company that had a bunch of forest land and they were basically just trying to diversify their income pool um and they're like hey i wonder if we have anything like you know we there's these areas we can't necessarily cut logs down from or we have a lot of aspens that don't turn enough income because we can't cut them down at the same rate um let's see if there's any steel or iron ore and then they can sell those rights like they're not going to take the headache of getting a mining company set up and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They'll just, you know, go to the highest bidder and say, you can have the rights to set up your mine here. <clears throat> gotcha. And so, um, so is that typically the main reason why people hire you out for those types of jobs? So they're just trying to see if there's anything under the ground that they can sell rights for just people, yeah, that- land- landowners that want their stuff checked out. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the biggest thing. And like I said, it's just, you're flying a Zamboni pattern. Um, it's like the coming from the FPV world, it's, it's nerve wracking because the, the gear, like the sensor is $40,000 and it's mm. swinging on the bottom of this, um, M600. Like just like flying around with like a wrecking ball or something on the bottom yeah. of the drone. Exactly. It's just like a wrecking ball. Um, you know, like a Navy seal climbing up like a Huey rope or something. 
<laughs> yeah. And you kind of have to account for it because um, I would always bring it in line of sight and land it. And you have to land it, set the mag down, scoot the drone forward. And then set that down so, so you don't line. basically land on top of it and follow it and flip it, flip the drone or something. Yeah, you don't want anything getting caught in the lines, like the landing gear. And I would get, you know, like sometimes the landing gear would get caught in a line, and I would have to. Um, and this was good for, from the FPV skill. I would basically just have to give this thing like a hockey stop and swing the mag out around the landing mm. gear. Um, yeah. All while standing in this cherry picker. So the thing is, you know, like eye level, but we're fifty oh. feet off the ground, <laughs> like oh, swinging. So then I got to bring it down. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. That's awesome. So, you know, and again, share as much as you're comfortable sharing, but like what does like a, a range for like those magnetometer jobs, like pay, like obviously the sensor is 40 grand. So it's gotta be worth it for you to do something like that. Right. I mean, it's definitely worth it. It, um, it pays pretty well. Um, it doesn't, you know, it pays like, I don't know, like wh- what is your gauge on a standard UAV rate for a pilot? Like what's the spectrum I mean, you dealt with? I think it depends on what you're doing, right? So some people who are doing like real estate photography and videos might charge like in the low areas, like 200 bucks for a video or like 500 to $1,000 for like a nice house. And then there's some people who are doing like LIDAR surveys that are charging thousands of dollars per job, you know? So I think I would imagine this being up in like more of the thousand dollars per job type of range, but I don't know. It's, you know, it's what I'm asking. For the person that hired me, it definitely was. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I got contracted out, um, like a UAV company that set up this M600, who's a friend of mine was like, Hey, can you do this? So I was making 250 a day plus all expenses paid, like food, everything. <clears throat> um, and I was out there for eight days. So it was two grand in a week, basically. Gotcha. Okay. And tra- yeah. Travel days were paid the same rate. So that's a party. Wow. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's kind of what I would have imagined. You know, we've had some other people on the podcast, um, doing kind of bigger LIDAR jobs and mapping a lot of acreage. And, you know, they said it's, they're working with, you know, like their drone was a hundred or 200 grand. And so for them to kind of like set up and go out there kind of had to be the right client and be yeah, worth their time to get out there. You gotta have like a threshold where you're like, you know, you don't want right. someone that's like skimping nickels and dimes if they're trying to get LIDAR data. Yeah. Now if you're trying to take like, yeah, <laughs> if you're trying to take like a Mavic air out and take pictures of like a 2000 square foot house. You're not going to be like, yeah, that'll be $6,000, you know, cause people are, uh, no thanks. Yeah, so. no, that's a tough market too, I think, because you know, like you can't price too high because then said person is going to be like, well, I know three other dudes with the Mavic Air. So one yeah, like, oh, my favorite like, is like, well, my nephew has a drone and I think he uh, could take yeah. me. <laughs> You're like, okay, cool. Yeah, Bet you sell um, that house. <laughs> if, if Yeah, if anybody ever says that, just be like, okay, well, I don't think you're my ideal client. You know, thanks for, yeah. thanks for talking. So, um, so it pays cool. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Now tell, tell, let's dive in a little bit more to like you were talking about how FPV cinematic stuff. You seem to really enjoy that. Like, um, you know, you talked about the snowboarding thing, which sounds really cool. Do you have any good, um, like if people want to go check out what you're talking about, like footage, do you have like a YouTube channel where they can see, or maybe like any good examples you could point them to, to go check it out to, to see it since this is just like audio format. Yeah, definitely. Check out, um, if you're on YouTube, um, Fly Life Co. Um, if you're on uh, Facebook, it's the it's also Fly Life Co. with an underscore between the CO um, and Fly Life. And then Instagram as well, Fly Life underscore CO. Um, for, the fl- for the cinematic stuff, basically, that's my portfolio. That's how I've gotten pretty much all my clients is just posting stuff on Instagram. And then people hit me up and they're like, Hey, do you think you could do this for so-and-so? Um, and so all my, you know, best work is up there. And I've done as of this summer, some pretty amazing filming with just a five inch home built drone. That's awesome. What kind of camera do you use on there? It's, it's, it's like, a, is like a GoPro strap down there? Is it something like special or what? Nothing special. Um, I think that's like the next um, revolution is camera technology getting smaller and the rigs being able to carry it. But I film everything on either a GoPro Hero 7, um, if I'm trying to go for super slow, high-res frame rates, or a GoPro Hero 6, because then I use a program called Real Steady. Um, that's a post-production mm-hmm. stabilization software. Um, that really just butters it out because the footage isn't shaky, but it definitely, you know, you don't want it to look like an action cam. Like if you're right. selling this to a resort company or a film company, they don't want it to look like a GoPro. Yeah, right, right. Now, why do you use the the GoPro Six for that real steady post production stuff? Does it not work with the Seven, or is it because like the Seven has the hyper smooth thing or whatever? 
So the seven has the hyper smooth, and um, this this might be a little inside baseball too. But the six and the seven have the exact same gyro in it. But the seven has hyper smooth, the six does not, and because it has hyper smooth on the seven, it runs a different firmware that treats the gyro data differently because it's trying to be more sensitive, so it can hyper smooth it if you oh, gotcha. choose to turn it on. And so if you want to run real steady um, with the seven, you have to use a heavy like Jello dampening mount, um, and not actually heavy, but it's like it's just a huge, like a big add-on. It's got to be very well dampened. It's harder to deal with. Whereas the six has a lesser, less sensitive firmware on its gyro. And then real steady just picks that up a lot better. And it's like, uh, for a three minute clip, we're talking like 12 minutes to process. Um, yeah, gotcha. which, which is way better. Cause before this is real steady go, which came out in April before they had a full version of real steady that you could stabilize any camera footage on like a red iPhone or whatever. Mm. But that for like a three, four minute video would take 18 to 22 hours to render. A wow. Jeez. Now when you say real steady, that's R E E L, right? Yeah. R E E L steady. Um, and for yeah. all your listeners, if you ever get into it, you can use code fly life for five bucks off. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen some videos, um of of that and uh it's it's like of that people using that software and stuff i can't remember there's another somebody else following on instagram and i think they shot like a timberland boots uh commercial and oh i've seen else. that commercial yeah yeah so where it's like the, where the drones like flying like underneath stuff and through pipes and right it's just like the their perspective is awesome so now is that the kind of the video that you're shooting with the drone like what's a typical like fpv cinematic shoot for you so for me, I try to focus um, on action sports filming because I feel like, you know, we have this thing that can basically bend physics. It can go upside down. It can change direction on a dime. Um, like I can be going, you know, 60 miles an hour and just stop this thing in a two foot box, which I think mm-hmm. is really rare. Um, so for me, it's skiers, mountain bikers. I just got back from a shoot where I chased an alpine coaster through the woods. What's an alpine coaster? Like, like the ones that go down the mountain? Yeah, like the, like the roller coasters that use gravity to kind of get out. Exactly. Yeah, one of those oh, cool. things. Um, mountain bikers is huge. Um, skiers, but yeah, it's just it's either um, chasing stuff like that. I also have like a ducted drone that I can do tight indoor stuff flying. Um, like mm. trying to get into bigger commercial real estate because you can do walkthroughs basically and get up above rooms and <clears throat> get cool. a different perspective. But for me, it's really the action sports. And I raced downhill mountain bikes for a long time, so I really like the you know, like it's kind of, it's, it kind of feeds something I miss a little bit. Like I, yeah, I sure. part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Now it sounded like you said earlier that the FPV cinematic stuff pays better than the like magnetometer work. Is that, or did I misunderstand that? No, you definitely didn't. Um, it pays way better. It's um, well, because the FPV work, you know, like the, <clears throat> it's basically a f- freelance thing. Like one thing I should mention too is with the data work, like I don't have an M600 and a magnetometer mm. and all this stuff. So it's like, hey, can you come do this for us? All our gear. Gotcha. You know? So you just so, you're like contracted as the pilot to do. Yeah, it. I just show up, check the aircraft, plan the missions, and fly it. Gotcha. And so with the FPV stuff, like it's all my gear. Usually these people are finding me because of like my work and my portfolio, um, and it's. You know, like I don't want to sound cocky, but I think there's probably like maybe ten to twenty of us in the world that are really starting to make good money at this. Yeah, I was about to say you've also been, you know, just from your story, right? You've had like a lot of experience flying drones, and it's not like you're picked this up overnight and go, oh, I think I'm gonna be a FPV cinematographer, and just now you have like this amazing, you know, yeah, I'm gonna amazing do this. skill. But, yeah, but this has been developed. You, you've spent years and years developing like these skills that are now people are seeking out. Yeah. And I took it super seriously. Like for a while I was flying 70 packs a week on a regular schedule, like, and now I fly 20 to 30, but I fly if the wind's not crazy or the rain, I fly pretty much every day. When you say fly a pack, is that like, uh, like one battery? battery. Yeah. yeah okay, I cool. fly a battery. No, I, sm- I smoke a pack of Marlboros out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Sitting there holding the drone smoking. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So like, you know, and again, I don't, whatever you are comfortable no, sharing, but people I'll always want to know, like, like people yeah. always want to be like, Oh, well, what's, what's possible? What can I do? You know? So, and I was dying, um, to know this kind of stuff, uh, when I was getting into it, I was always like, I wonder how much that guy um, paid. So the, the least amount I've ever charged for uh, a day of filming is 600 bucks. And the most I've ever charged, um, which was the recent one was 2,500 for two days. 
Wow. For feel, like that's a full day of filming with the FPV stuff. Yeah, it was probably, um, you know, like not even, I mean, like a full work day. Yeah, it was like three, four hours in the morning, take a three hour break because the light is crap in the middle of the day. Yeah, sure. Um, and then go to the end of the day and film in the evening. And that's that amount of money plus all expenses paid again. So, that's like, awesome. Plane ticket, um, hotel, um, food. I'm like pretty lenient about. Like I'm, I'm pretty chill. Like I'll just go get a slice of pizza, and I'm like, no one needs to know about this. Um, <laughs> if they're like, if if someone flies me out somewhere and they're like, hey, no problem, you can get room service. Like order whatever you want if you're hungry. You're like I seventy dollar piece of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like fillet. Give me the fillet. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's awesome. So that pays better, but it's also you know like I could tarnish my name a lot quicker if I. If I messed up on the mag survey, you know, I could slide under the radar and like go find another job. But if I tarnish my fly life co and my name, you know, I don't want to be like hitting pro skiers in the jugular kind of thing. True. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it seems like there's a decent amount of liability on either end. Like one, you're flying something that's like, you know, a blender with a $40,000 <laughs> sensor. That's, you know, a pretty large rig that has a wrecking ball swinging underneath it. And the other one, you're flying around people that make their living doing action sports and if you mess them up they're probably not gonna be super happy but i mean i can't imagine that those fpv drones i mean i'm sure these blades can cut you but they're not gonna like oh dude i mean you. they'll they'll mess you up because oh, they're really? spinning at like thirty thousand rpm oh so it's pretty bad because i don't do much fpv stuff myself i did get my finger in like a phantom 3 pro like years ago when i got it and it it sliced that's, the thing right a, open that's a that's a butter knife compared to these really things. um oh. like I've um, like our props are so sharp that like even if you like grab it wrong when you tighten it, you'll cut your finger a little bit. Oh wow! Even if it's not even on. Yeah, like it's not even turned on. Like if you just you know go to tighten it with a prop nut um, and a wrench oh, or whatever, and you're holding it wrong, like it'll cut you so up. This is like a bunch of throwing stars strapped to like a f- airframe. Exactly, and I think too that's what you know you can charge for is like, hey, I have this thing that's very capable but dangerous and i can get it four feet from the skier's head when he's upside down and i can keep him in frame you know like you're and not kill him (laughs) and not kill him and uh so you're stacking on these skills whereas the commercial side um you know it's a high risk but um like low like i mean i could teach anybody less skill required Yeah. yeah you could teach anybody to plan a mission on like ugcs or pix4d or something yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you can use a yeah. spreadsheet, you can set up a mission. Yeah, yeah. But, you, I mean, but people would naturally know how to do that, right? Like, you have experience doing this from working around at the company, which, by the way, I just want to, like, commend you on, like, taking, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be like, cool, I just want to be around this. Let me sweep your floor. I like kind of a little bit of, like, a whatever it takes kind of attitude, which, you know, a lot of people expect things. Oh, uh, I passed a 60 question part 107 exam. Like, where are all these people lining up to hire me for jobs? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's like it doesn't work like that. You have to go out and get skills like you did, right? Like, like practice. You just got your FP. driver's license to get to the job with your 107, but like now, how are you going to get the job? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it, it doesn't. People have this misconception, and they're like, "Well, I mean, all the part 107 jobs are gone because I got my part 107, and like nobody's calling me." You know, it's like, well, I searched on Google. I should be making 70k a year, like next week. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I got a college degree in, you know, in history, but like I, I haven't applied anywhere, but nobody's calling me. It's like, yeah, well, you got to like go out there and, and give some value for somebody. So, uh, but anyways, I just was hearing your story and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I like how you're actually getting out there and getting after it. So um, I want to dive in a little bit more on, you know, it seems like you talked a little about your portfolio and how it seems like from the magnetometer stuff, you had some contacts just from immersing yourself in that world and building relationships and stuff. But like if you were kind of starting from scratch now, I think one thing that a lot of people wonder in this world is like, cool, I've got my drone. I can learn how to do some stuff, but like how do I go out and find people to like pay me to do work? Like how do I find clients? It's like, what would be, if you were starting over, what would you like? If I don't know if you would do anything differently, but like how would you go about like kind of getting those first clients and getting, getting rolling? Um, I don't think I would do anything differently per se. I might like put more effort into certain aspects of it at certain times. But I think <clears throat> like you just brought up before this, you nailed it. I think, you know, you can't go into it with a chip on your shoulder thinking like, I got this thing. What am I going to get out of it? Like you a have to really enjoy it. And then 
like if you're first starting out, whether it's real estate, whatever, um, like go do a couple of things for free, you know, like don't yeah. quit your day job and be like, I'm a drone pilot now. Like <laughs> yeah. go do, go do some stuff for free. Like everybody's got a friend that needs pictures of something or video of something like whether it's a farmer that's like, I want to see where my cattle's at or real estate, um, you know, anything. And like, just start piling those things up because you know, like anybody can buy a Mavic, um, you know, or a drone and get footage or shots, but like there really is a lot of intricacies that great content producers or drone pilots, you know, learn and all this stuff that people don't realize when they just see the video. Yeah. Like there, there's a reason it looks so good. And it's because that person's probably had like a thousand flights that you've never seen. Yep. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And then just, you know, say yes to stuff. And that links back to like, don't put all your eggs in one basket and just bank on drain, being a drone pilot, like work part-time, work your regular job, do this on the side, and then just say yes to stuff. Cause at the very least you'll either learn a lesson, meet somebody new, or at least realize what you don't like to do. You know, like certain photographers, non-drone are like, yeah, I did some weddings and I just don't do weddings anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's easier to work harder if you enjoy what you're doing. And there's a lot of oh, aspects. 100%, of yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of aspects of drones. And like, I wouldn't do real estate photography. Um, it's just not for me. Like the data collection is cool because I feel like I'm dealing with really cool technology. It piques my interest. Mm -hmm. I can look at the data. It's not something everybody gets to see. So I feel like, like I'm kind of like in an inner circle. The FPV is cool because I feel like I'm flying a TIE fighter next to a pro athlete. <laughs> and like, yeah. uh, so, you know, you pick stuff that you're passionate about, but know that on the path there, you're probably going to have to do the other stuff. Um, and, you know, whatever career you pick, whether it's drone piloting, whatever, like just prepare for two years of probably kind of the suck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's someone out there doing it better than you when you're just starting out always and you got to be realistic um, and self-aware and look at the people that are doing better than you, their footage or whatever, and say, what is mine lacking in comparison to that? And take your ego out of it and just be self-critical or even just ask peers or other people. The internet's a really great, harsh place to check your ego. <laughs> yeah. Throw it up on Reddit and see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just write it off. Like, um, you know, like not don't take it seriously, but like, take whatever criticism, whatever you've learned, build from it, build from it and try not to let it, you know, like weigh you down. Cause like, there's always another drone job, you know, like don't fly over an airport or like break massive rules. But like, if you go out and get some photography and your exposure's off, um, and you don't realize that you get home, it's going to yeah. happen. Um, you know, just deal with it. I know people have done gone to go do data collection jobs for the whole mission and realized they didn't have their like SD card in the drone and didn't get anything. And they're like, Oh gosh. So now, you know, they make, they double check that before they go. Only stupid mistake is a mistake made twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. True. No, I dude, I think that's fantastic advice. And, and like you said, it's all about like being able to persevere through when it's not super great. If it's like, you're still learning, still figuring out, still trying to see what works, what people want. Um, you know, even, you know, this is a, dr our company's a drone company, right? But we don't, we're not a drone service company or right? we're more of a, like a training company, but even with us, right? Like when we first started off, it was like, you know, a lot of trial and error on like what people want, what people want to pay for, what they don't, what they want to get for free. You know, it's like, and just kind of figuring that out. And I think that just for us, that came through just like talking to a lot of people, you know, if like somebody buys from you, like ask them like, cool, like, what did you like about that? Like, you know, is there something I could have done better? You know, just getting feedback, right. From the people that are yeah. your customers. Um, I think it's really important. If somebody doesn't hire you, even if they're not your ideal customer, it's always good to find out like, Hey, you know, no sweat. Like it's totally cool if you want to go a different direction, but I just, you know, what kind of made you make your mind up that way. And some people will be honest with you. Some people just don't want to hurt your feelings. So they'll never tell you the truth. They'll be like, Oh, it wasn't the right time. You know, but some people will just say like, Oh, it's too expensive. You know, or it's like, okay, well, that's put that in the maybe too expensive category. That doesn't mean you need to immediately go out and drop your prices. But like if you get 10 people in a row, tell you that they didn't hire you because you're too expensive, either yeah, you, try, to you add, might. Try, try to add more value or maybe consider lowering your prices, you know? So definitely. Um, and you know, like, and like I said earlier, like just say yes to stuff, you know, when you're starting out because you're going to learn stuff. And um, you know, like for me, I don't like oversell it, but if somebody asks me, like if I'm at an airplane, an airport, at a trade show, whatever, at a restaurant, someone asks what I do, like I'll give them a quick like 30 second elevator pitch every time I'm like, hey, I'm a drone pilot, like I film action sports and I collect data because you never know who you're going to meet and some of totally. this 
opportunities that I've gotten have come from like the most random places ever. They're like, oh, you're a drone pilot. We have this thing. I've, my neighbors own a film company. Um, let's go have a beer with them. And that's how I got this whole Aspen skier thing. I was on a road really? trip with a friend and he was like, oh, my neighbor owns a film company. Why don't you talk to him? And then, um, so I, that's how that came to be. And then that guy that I met from that random night of just saying what I do, um, hit me up and was like, hey, we're doing a film shoot for Nat Geo. Do you want to come chase flash floods? And, and so like, you did work yeah. for, did well, so you did work like, for Nat it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scheduling up um, into the future, but you know, it's just like the little things really matter. Like when I, you know, like I'm still pretty young, but I, I always heard that, and I was like, "Well, that's dumb." But it's like the big things are obvious. Pay attention to like all the little things, um, and just you know, be passionate. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. So, on the uh, just real quick, I'm gonna hit on the because some people, you know, they love to like dive into the stuff. You have most of your portfolio kind of like on your Instagram account. Do you find that to kind of be the best social media channel to push for for your stuff? I, I mean, I do. YouTube's a tough place to break into. And sometimes I don't think people go to YouTube for that kind of content. I think YouTube mm-hmm. these days is like a reality TV channel, um, which yeah. I'm a big viewer of. Like, I get it. But it's a really <laughs> hard to not Maybe not the same type of genre yeah. that people are looking for you. And I haven't um, like delved into Vimeo or anything like that. So for and then I also use Airviews, which is one of my sponsors and a great platform. I don't know if you've heard of them, but Airviews mm-hmm. is just a yeah. drone video platform. So it's like peers amongst peers, super positive. Um, they have all depths of categories like landscape, sporting events. It's a lot of cinematic, um, you know, like big rigs kind of stuff. Inspires and then Mavics. Not a huge amount of FPV, although they really focus on it. Um, but the thing I like about Instagram is it's the place with the least opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Facebook, sometimes I'll scroll through a drone group and I'm like, these people are giving advice or like hating on stuff that people like even take on Facebook. Yeah, it's like, what kind of life do you leave if you took the two minutes to write this? I could go on and on about what you're saying, but yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and then so Instagram is great because you got this one minute segment or this post to grab someone's attention. One minute is a great platform to work with um, as a creator because it's like, okay, I just have one minute. That's not stressful. I don't have to make like a five minute edit. And when it's that short, I can get really creative with it and like focus on it, um, mm-hmm. add stuff. And then the hashtags are great because you can like, what other place can you just like at GoPro? Yeah. You know? right. Or like, at Real Steady, at National Geographic, at whatever company. And like for me, it took a really long time. Um, this is of the fly life. This is in year three. But, um, you know, if you stay consistent and make quality content, like you just, people just notice over time. Yeah. Um, and it's a great platform. Like they're just going to scroll by it real quick. And then if it's captivating in the first two seconds, you got them for a minute. Dude, I love it. One question I ask most people is, uh, what would you say your biggest challenge has been in the making money with drones world? Um, for me, I think it was like the breakout thing. Um, I think people don't realize um, like once you get one gig, it's a lot easier to get another gig. And we were talking about mm-hmm. this earlier with like podcast listeners and just growing any form of anything on the internet. Um, like getting to that first paid job is going to seem like a real marathon struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be kind of daunting, but like once you get one, it not only gives you something to talk about and to pitch, be like, Hey, you got this company. I've done this for so-and-so can we talk about it? Um, but I think also just as presenting yourself to people, it adds this confidence that you need, you know, you kind of got to just, you know, like you're selling yourself. You got to have the sales vibe yep. at least a little bit. Um, you know, you don't have to be totally, you don't be right. Don't be sleazy. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to be like, Hey, I'm capable of this. I can do this. Um, you know, can I come do it for you? So that was a big hurdle. Um, yeah, just like the breakout. Cause it's, for me, it was like, um, three and a half years of unpaid flying. Um, mm. this all kicked off this year and now it's like two, three things a month of just like keeping up traveling. Um, so that's huge. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest one. Otherwise everything was just like a learning process. And you mentioned something, um, that I like is a reference I like to use, but you were like, you know, this is like, we're in early stage of cars. Like it'll be that big. And like, um, at AUVSI one year, someone said drones right now are cars in 1918. Mm, yeah. 
And so I think it's, you know, if you like look at your friends that are doing whatever career they're doing and they're like, yeah, I got all this growth. I'm moving on. I met these people. I'm moving up the ladder. Like realize that in this industry, that ladder is like kind of still being built. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because I mean, especially with, I feel like technology, I mean, not to go too far off the path here, but I feel like technology is like outpacing regulation right now because they have all these capabilities, all these companies, have all these capabilities that they're not really allowed to implement all over the place yet because of, you know, the FAA is still trying to work out how everything's going to work in the sky without becoming a giant cluster and crashing into each other. But yeah. like once they can get that figured out and allow all this stuff to happen, I feel like it's going to, going to be like, just give me so much. I'll put it on anything. You can know when it's live, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck convincing like several hundred million people of, uh, of that. So, but yeah, seriously. Uh, we're just going to put transponders on these and then talk about the Second Amendment one meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, but at some point, it's, it's, it's like inevitable. It's going to happen, right? You know, like reg- they're going to, regulation's going to change and they're going to figure out how to get it all up there. And um, just like stuff's going to keep evolving all the time. So it's really cool to stay on top of it. And sounds like you're like right there, tip of the spear with all the cool, uh, you know, drone ways to make money. I talked to so many people who would like, give their left arm to be like a get paid to do FPV, um, you know, cinematography stuff, which I guess is a horrible analogy because you, it's hard to fly with just one arm, but yeah, I mean, I've seen it done, um, actually, but, uh, really? <laughs> it's, and it's funny you mentioned that FAA thing too, because last week for the first time, someone reported me to the FAA reported one of my videos and I got an email from the FAA. For what? Well, like, um, I flew down a city street and then up a tall building back down the ta- tall building. Um, and then like back down the city street, not over any cars, not over any people, like totally chill. I think someone that doesn't know the regulations saw it and was just, you know, it was either someone that is like, I don't know, has bad vibes towards me or someone that just saw it on the internet. It got a lot of views and just didn't know what they were talking about. But even the FAA guy, um, that emailed me, was kind of super vague and wishy-washy. He was like, Hey, just wanted to talk to you about this possible illegal anonymously reported video (laughs) um can you tell me about it so i just explained him everything and it wasn't even a commercial gig like i was just flying out for fun um yeah i was like let me know if you have any more questions and i haven't heard back from him in over a week like a week and a half now gotcha well hopefully that's nothing but doesn't you know doesn't sound like it is so i don't think so like I don't cool. post, like I don't fly legally. A, a lot of people do with FPV stuff, but I would never post it if I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if I did, definitely not saying that I am on recording, but uh, if I did, I would definitely yeah, like, not. You're not going to film yourself going 200 miles an hour and like camera on the speedometer on the road and then be like, <laughs> I'm YouTubing this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Here's my license plate number. Hey, let me get my driver's license in here. Yeah. Yeah. Smash that like button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh it's funny all right cool man well i'll wrap it up um it's been it's been a good uh it's been a good chat i think it's been one of our longer uh interviews but i really enjoyed it you're a cool guy to talk to i know people are really gonna um love this episode especially it's like really unique right it's not both of the ways that you make money with drones are like both not typical things that people would have just like hear about on a regular basis no way you get like the oh promo videos for this person commercial real estate you know a lot of the same types of stuff. So it's really cool to hear, uh, these other uses. It's just like, just plays into like, there are literally so many ways that you can use a drone to like help people or to like, yeah. to, to make money. So sky's um, the limit, pun intended. Yeah, for real, for real. So it's, it's really cool. You know, it's always, I feel like whenever people listen to other people's stories, it just kind of gets the juices flowing and maybe helps them think about another aspect or something else to check out. So, um, so yeah, I really appreciate you. Uh, coming on and transparency and just sharing all that stuff. I know people always love the juicy details about oh, how much they get to do this and how they get into that. So I uh, appreciate you. I'll yeah, do no all problem. that stuff. So happy to well, share man, it. Well, thanks for having well, me maybe on. we'll, yeah, yeah, no, happy to. Well, maybe I'll have to have you um, back on for whenever we do like season, season two or three. So, um, so thanks yeah. to now real quick before we go, I know you mentioned some of your channels before, but just real quick, like if people want to check you out or see your stuff, you want to just give your plug one more time and we'll have, we'll put all your stuff in the um, show notes and whatnot. But if you're not looking at this on our website, you might not see that readily apparent. So go ahead and tell people where they can find you. 
Yeah, so um, YouTube and Facebook, Fly Life Co. Same with Airviews, Fly Life Co. Um, Instagram, Fly Life underscore Co. You can find me there um, on Apple, all the major podcast platforms. If you want to learn a bit more about FPV, um, just search the Fly Life Podcast. And if you want to get some more like synopsis episodes, I do a series with my friend Greg Ryder, and they say it all in the title. But there we talk a bit more about like bigger stuff in FPV, not just what VTX we're using this week and inside baseball stuff. Um, and at the very least, if you forget all that, just type in Fly Life Co. into Google and something will come up. Sweet. And Martin Novak, right? Fly Life yep. Co. Yep. Sweet. Martin Novak. Cool. Awesome, Martin. Well, thanks, dude, for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Sounds good, man. Uh, thanks again yep. and have a good night. You bet. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this interview with Martin Novak. Go check him out. Flylife underscore co for most of his stuff on Instagram, other places. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I just loved hearing his story about how those two different areas where he uses a drone are so different, um, but really cool. And love how he's uh, really just worked his way to get to where he is, and he's not afraid to work hard, not afraid to go out and just help people, provide some value for people, and then things blossomed out of that. So, really neat, really cool. Again, I just wanted to plug, if you do want to get your Part 107 license or your remote pilot certificate and you want some study help, we have some options uh, if you go to the show notes for this. Uh, or you can just go to courses.dronelaunchacademy.com and use the uh, promo code PODCAST50, all one word, uh, uppercase. That'll get you 50 bucks off. Uh, we also have our aerial video A to Z course, which teaches you everything you need to know about like shooting, editing, um, profiting from... Uh, aerial video. So uh, there's a, a Hollywood for, um, editor and award-winning drone uh, photographer, Alex Harris, that teaches that whole course. Uh, a lot of people love it. So if that's something you're interested in, learn how he makes like $200 an hour shooting drone video, um, then you can check that out. Uh, if you use uh, the link in our show notes, it'll get you 20% off. So check that out if you're interested. And again, Drone21k.com if you want to learn about that other program later in the year. And I think those are all the Drone Launch Academy plugs that I have for today. Otherwise, just hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're not interested in any of that crap I just mentioned, no pressure. Just keep listening to these episodes. Enjoy. Uh, I just wanted to at least tell you about it for the people that do want to dive into that stuff. Okay. Well, sad moment. End of season one of the Drone to 1K podcast. I love all you guys. Thank you so much for leaving all your great reviews um, and all the emails that I've gotten uh, from people that uh, are enjoying the podcast episodes. David at DroneLaunchAcademy.com. If you want to email me, say what's up, gripe about something, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, season two, out, end of the year. Apply at the link in the podcast notes on our website. Until then, take care, guys. Mm-hmm.